Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. Coming up, Andre Strongbear Hart Gaines Jr. on the confluence of traditional indigenous eastern woodland social songs and modern spoken word poetry as part of the Smithsonian Crossroads program coming to the Shea in Great Falls Sunday. And local hero musician Kimaya Diggs performing live in studio from her album out today and as a preview of her show tomorrow at the Drake. But first, drinking. Khalees and I have once again entered what we are calling the Wine Thunderdome. We don't need another Pino. Crazy or Chardonnay. Oh, all we want is wine beyond the Thunderdome. Very off-key and a thing that we made. You sang so great, you should have heard my scratch tracks. Uh, Maybe they still exist. Click, click, click. We don't need another Pino. Two wines enter, one wine leaves. Two men enter, one man leaves. We will taste two wines and decide which ones we like better. And we're really lucky today to be tasting with the folks from Provisions, who you can taste with later today at the NEPM Wine and Food Lovers Weekend, which begins with a tasting at MGM this evening. And there's a huge fancy dinner that's virtually sold out or maybe even sold out by now on Saturday. But Provisions is providing the wine. What's your name? Benson. And your name? Bruce. And you two are two of the folks behind Provisions, and we're in your new store in East Long Meadow. Pretty much the two. The two? Or, I mean, it's a team, right? It's a team. It's a team effort. And we're in your new East Long Meadow store. Residential, uh, not East Long Meadow. Straight up Long Meadow. Okay. I didn't even know there was a regular old Long Meadow. Yeah, I I didn't either until we moved here. But there we we have it. It's like you're driving through a neighborhood, and then all of a sudden there's this beautiful little plaza, and uh, your new store. How long have you been open here? Three months? Four months? Since, Since December. Before we get into what we're going to drink today, tell us a little bit about what wines the listeners can experience if they come to the wine tasting at MGM to support New England Public Media tonight and uh, over the weekend. Well, there's going to be a ton of wine, so you can basically choose your own journey. Yeah, there's going to be, I think, over 200 different wines to pick from there. But today, we're choosing a couple to highlight old world versus new world, same grape, very different styles, and different names. So what are we going to drink today? La Syrah, which is a Northern Rhone, 100% Syrah. And then we have Wits End, which is a Shiraz from Barossa Valley in Australia. When we're talking about the Syrah, we're talking about France. We're talking about France, which is where it originated. But actually, uh, I would say that Shiraz actually, which is another name for Syrah, put the grape more on the map. You bet your ass it did. (laughs) I use that joke a lot on the river, but not here yet. So you're welcome. Because Australia, known for its same grape, essentially, pronounced differently and manifests itself very differently. Very differently. Uh Yeah, they are two completely different expressions um, that really showcase terroir and the place that they come from. Terroir is placiness. It's part of what we're trying to do with this radio show, the fabulous 413. It's Radio Terroir. Putting it on the map. All right, so which one are we going to start with there? Uh, Let's start with the old world. So we'll start with La Syrah from the Rhone. Again, the Rhone in France. Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, the three famous grapes of the Rhone. The northern Rhone is more Syrah heavy than the southern Rhone, by and large, which is more Grenache heavy, right? Correct. And Mouvedre is is kind of the tertiary grape of that whole place. It's the mixing mixing grape. Right. Although it's fun to try 100% Mouvedre whenever you get a chance to. It is. I like it because I'm a weirdo. We're all weirdos, and all that stuff is what makes wine fun. Anything in particular you are excited about tasting at the... 
the wine and food lovers thing or tables not to miss? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many, but there's some uh, really cool Georgian wines that are going to be there for oh. people that aren't familiar with the country of Georgia and the wines that come out of there. I'm is, it be, is it like peach that. wine? <laughs> oh, the sort country of. of Georgia, I see. They do have some orangey flavors. Uh-huh. Get your wines now before they get invaded. I know, yeah. right? So you can say that on any yeah, you can fight. You can yeah. fight Vladimir Putin by drinking the wines of Moldova and, and Georgian and wines. Actually, there is going to be a Moldovan wine there that is supporting Ukraine, so you could taste that one as well. Mm-hmm. It's the least I could do. All right, so we're drinking this Syrah from Vin de France in the, from the Rhone. Syrah's main tasting note to me can oftentimes be a little bit peppery, mm-hmm. and this has definitely got that going on. Yeah, peppery, it can often have some like meaty qualities, whether it's smoked meat to bacon. Mm-hmm. Bacon. Mm-hmm. Bacon. Yeah. And also like a, an iron kind of thing too. Yeah, so that's like that minerality Bloody. to on the finish. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a vegetarian and you miss it, yeah, this is try a, a Syrah from the Rhone and you won't even feel guilty. <laughs> and oftentimes it has that very like dark berry fruit. Sweet berry wine. <laughs> that like blackberry, brambly, very powerful ripe flavors. Mm-hmm. I admit that my palate favors usually European wines over some of the warmer climate wines, including wines from these here United States. So I think it's going to be hard pressed for me to be. I am on the opposite end of this, where I prefer Southern Hemisphere for the most part, and then Spain. Uh So, all right, like that's me. What do you think of this one so far? I love it. I think this is great. How much? How much is this one? Sixteen ninety nine. It's a steal. Perfect. Great, affordable, La Syrah, easy, not a very non-French looking lady. Very much presents like Syrah. I think it's very typical, which is one of the things I love about this wine is you're getting exactly what it says on the bottle. It's the Syrah. It's like La Rosalia. La Rosalia. She's the Rosalia. No other Rosalias. Different glasses? Sure, fancy. Somebody, I'm not doing the dishes. So one of the interesting uh, flip sides here is not only did Australia have uh, a bigger impact on making uh, Shiraz slash Syrah important in the United States. But La Syrah is a first generation winemaker versus the one from the new world, which is actually a sixth generation winemaker. So they've actually been doing this a lot longer. Which is interesting because again, there's generations upon generations of people who've been making wine in France and other places in Europe. And uh, when you think of wine in Australia, it feels like it's a a much newer thing, which in some ways it is, but not in this, not in this example. Oh, the nose on this is really lovely. And this is much more typical of Australia where you're getting a little bit more of the herbal, a little bit more of that like rosemary or like those sort of eucalyptus yep. yeah. a lot of times yeah they'll have eucalyptus because koalas eat it they put yeah. it right in their little pouch we learned about those last week they're made of guts they really koalas yeah. have pouches they don't put wine yeah. in their pouches oh. but they're like they're bags of guts we learned from the people at tumble for science podcast but eucalyptus they put eucalyptus in there i don't know wouldn't yeah, you maybe prefer to put wine in there yeah right <laughs> a wine pouch we stopped them all for check for shoplifting what do you got in that pouch koala that's somebody coming in to Provisions Long Meadow, where we're tasting with Benson that's and Bruce. That was a good sign. Yeah. Provisions are the folks bringing us the wine for the Wine and Food Lovers Weekend, which the tasting is tonight at MGM. Still tickets available, and the dinner almost sold out, if not sold out. But come by, it should be great. So yeah, this is a much different expression of the same grape from a much different place. More, did we say more extracted fruit? Warmer, warmer climate, so you're getting a lot more ripeness here, and you really get that. The, there's almost more of a baked 
fruit quality to it. Definitely. Because of the popularity of Australian Shiraz, sometimes uh, they can be ham-fisted in the ways that they're presented to try to appeal to a certain palate. Agreed. But this one feels really elegant. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, this one's really like, I hate using this word because I don't actually like it, but supple. Ooh, <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> supple. It does have an elegance, though, which is something that a lot of the bigger production Shiraz coming out of Australia is overextracted, overdone. And this one, for about the same price point, is really pretty. How much is this one? The Wits End Luna? $16.99. Again, both so of them, yeah. same price. This is a tougher decision with this wine Thunderdome than I thought I was going to have. I thought for sure I was going to be like, no France. question, France. Yeah. yeah. France! France! <laughs> Did you see that from Saturday Night Live? No. <laughs> Why don't you remind everybody what country you're representing? I agree. This is way closer than the last battle. The last battle was real clear. Yeah. This one, they do very similar. I mean, like, it's the same grape, so they're going to do similar things, but, like, how they do them similarly is that I don't know what to pick. <laughs> I don't either. I'm, I, I'm, I know that day drinking is frowned upon, but yeah. I'm going to have to go do this at the wine tasting later anyway, so pre-gaming. I might have to go back to the French one and, and go back side to side I, here. I just did that, and it really highlights the difference between the two. Yes. The French one suddenly feels a lot lighter. And I'm getting more tobacco on the nose of the French one all of a sudden, which wasn't there at first. And that's one of the sneaky things about Syrah is that it really evolves as it opens up. You know, they tend to really go from one place to another as they open up and evolve. I actually tend to like Syrah on day two if I can ever get a bottle to last, last that out. long. Yeah. <laughs> but never day three. Never day People, three. I don't no. know that. Don't keep it longer than that. Unless you have a Coravin, which you don't know what that is, you don't have one. If you're making red wine vinegar on your own. Yeah. Mm. Easy to do. Just, Just leave it open. Feed it. Keep oh. it in your fridge with feed a cork in it like my Nana did for her white Zinfandel. Oh, that's God. how I know when a wine at a restaurant has been opened too long because it tastes like Nana's fridge. Oh. <laughs> friends don't let friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, bring a friend over to have, help you finish the bottle. What changed for you in the French one, the second pass? Just noticing some barnyard on the, on the Australian. A little bit of element of barnyard. More funk. We remember what barnyard means, NEPM <laughs> listeners. I told you last week, I don't have to say it every week, but I was pleased to see that the New York Sunday Times had poop in a headline and also referred to fine art abbreviated as fart the whole time. And I was like, if the New York Times wow. can do it, well, I can do it on NEPM. And, and there is my Instagram. <laughs> I feel like you do it. I'm the gift that me. keeps on giving I when know. it comes to it's like I don't to have poop. to choose which clip I use. Yeah. All right. So now is the time where the wine Thunderdome comes to a head. Benson and Bruce from Provisions, new Long Meadow store. The folks that are providing the wine for the NEPM Wine and Food Lovers Weekend. The tasting today. Who wants to vote first for which their favorite? The French Syrah from La Syrah in the Rhone Vin de France, or the Wits End Luna Shiraz from McLaren Vale, Australia. I think I would have to go Old World. Benson goes with the French. Unless I'm having barbecue. Right, that's a whole different story. It's perfect for that. <laughs> Bruce from Provisions. I'm going to go Old World, La Syrah. Khalees. I like the New World. 
You knew you were going to. I knew I was going to. So this... I like the French too. Like they're really, really close, but like there's something again, like on second pass about how it drops that I really appreciate. I'm making my final decision. Oof. If they tie, do we come back to We're not gonna tie, you're gonna pick Old World. I am gonna pick Old World. See, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew when so we got here. I mean, I knew too. This, although I will say, it, it was such a tough decision. If I'm gonna have a barbecue, a bunch of people coming over, that Australian one is gonna be perfect. But if it's just me, some elegant S sitting food and cheese, whole bottle. Yeah, it's gonna be that that French one, the La Syrah. Both $16.99, both available at Provisions. Both pretty great. At here in Longmeadow, at your original Northampton location, and over the one in Amherst as well. Correct. Yeah, your uh, Rocket and Three. And cheese to go along with it at any of. Yeah, and actually, these are both really amazing wines with cheese. Yeah, I can definitely tell that. And we can, uh, are you going to be there tasting with us uh, tonight at MGM? I will. Look I'll for be. the tallest dudes there in the provision <laughs> sweatshirt. Wearing a provision sweatshirt, yeah. And, uh, and I'll, be the, I'll be the tiny lollipop guild representative that's, uh, <laughs> that's kicking at their heels. I'm volunteering. I don't get to drink until it's over. Oh. What? That's, the, that's not fair. We'll I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's how it works. I'm, let's see who I can talk to. NEPM loves it when we let you know that Provisions is an underwriter of NEPM, but that's not why we talk with them. We tasted with them because they let Khalees and me taste wine for free at their store. Coming up, Andre Strongbearheart gains Jr. on the confluence of traditional indigenous Eastern woodland social songs and modern spoken word poetry coming to Great Falls this weekend at the Shea as part of the Smithsonian Crossroads program. That's so much to say. And local hero musician Kimaya Diggs performing live in the studio from her album Quincy out today. Or is it Quincy? That's what I want to ask her. Out Quincy. today as a preview of her show tomorrow at the Drake. You're listening to The Fabulous 413. Mm-hmm. This Sunday afternoon at the Shea Theater in Great Falls. Full disclosure, I'm president of the board of the community-owned theater, a volunteer job that I make zero dollars from, but I love to support. Deepening the Power of Place, a Smithsonian Crossroads closing event with Erica Wheeler, whose music we're listening to right now, and Andre Strongbearheart Gaines Jr., who joins us in the studio. The program, Social Songs and Spoken Word Poetry, the confluence of traditional Eastern woodland social songs and modern spoken word poetry composed and performed by Nipmuc tribe citizens Andre Strongbearheart Gaines Jr. and his nephews will explore the common themes that connect 10,000-year-old traditional indigenous social songs with modern-day spoken word poetry. Andre, thanks for coming to the studio today. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like a greeting and just how you doing. Awesome. And which language? That is a Nipmuc language. You know, uh, Algonquin is our language, but Nipmuc is our dialect. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. So that's great. Algonquin's the language. Nipmuc is the dialect. Yeah. And you are part of the Nipmuc people that have populated this part of the world for thousands of years. Nikis, yes. That means yes. And uh, in fact, it was illegal to even speak our language until 1978. So I always, whenever I have the opportunity, am more than happy to. I love to hear it. Especially, I, I love when languages find a way to learn how to thrive again. Yes. Yeah. And we'll be speaking next week with uh, someone who will be talking about the importance of bringing Nipmuc languages and other languages into the uh, what we call English vernacular. But And that is sort of what you'll be talking about, social songs, which um, I don't know if people know about, and spoken word poetry, which some yep. people know about. What is a social song? Uh, what a social song is, is it, it's these uh, songs that 
our eastern woodland communities have kept for uh, thousands of years. And what it what it basically um, each song has a dance that um, represents a particular meaning. And so um, when we share these things in each other's communities. Um, it's a time for us to step into each other's communities. The reasons that we stayed here uh, alive for so many thousands of years is because we relied on each other into each other. And, you know, uh, we step into each other's communities and we would have these socials, you know, nowadays uh, we call them powwows, these gatherings. But quite honestly, we still have socials, you know, and uh, um, it was a way for us to come together and uh, remember um, traditional values and beliefs and, and a way for us to just come together. So where does that meet up with what would be considered maybe modern-day spoken word poetry? Yeah, it's a little deeper than that, and I'm more than happy to uh, be able to share with folks this weekend. And um, basically, we're going to be opening up in a way of, um, you know, a social song, because what it does is it brings all of our heartbeats into the same wavelength, you know, that, that drum holds that heartbeat. And so it's really important that while we're sharing these songs, you know, we all have a heartbeat if we're able to uh, sit and listen to each other. So it gets us all on the same plane to understand um, who we are. And so um, the way that it correlates and ties together to my spoken word is, my spoken word is um, it basically allows you to be able to uh, take a view in the way that we per, uh, perceive society in the ways that it is today. And um, it's difficult. It's difficult for Native Americans uh, and for Nipmuc, myself, um, that means freshwater people. And so, um, in fact, I'm sitting here drinking this fresh water right here. Tell it's, us uh, what you're drinking. Uh, it's maple season, so <sighs> there's no reason we wouldn't be drinking fresh maple water out of those trees, you know, because uh, these trees... You know, they have gifts to give, and uh, when we take the time and reciprocate that, um, and we, and they offer it, and we offer in a good way, it's, uh, it's a little different than your normal sugar shack, you know, that, you know, has these IVs all the way up and down these trees and just take, 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 take. Uh, you know, we have a different way that we offered the trees, and um, they offered back, so. And I've been lucky enough to see you before and be participate in some of these uh, these socials and these spoken word and these dances and and you literally give gifts back to the trees that you're taking from. Can you talk a little bit about that as part of the tradition? Um, yeah, I mean we have some old ways that we would we would offer um, to these trees, but I think more or less instead of getting into that, I mean quite honestly, people in a whole can just spend time with these trees and, and you know they they take so much from these trees the least that they could do is at least plant another tree um, maybe take a year out from uh, gathering the sap you know maybe to spend some time and consider is it uh, does it make more sense for profit for these trees or should we let the trees have what they need right now the only reason that we're alive here is because these trees are alive you know, and so to just take from them until they die, then that makes no sense. And our people never saw in that way, you know. We're speaking with Andre Strongbear Hart Gaines Jr., who will be at the Shea Theater in Great Falls this Sunday between 3 and 5. Clearly there's an ongoing relationship with your peoples with and the land and seasonal at that. What's happening now in the things that you're making and the things that you're encountering? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, 
me and my family, we started a, uh, a nonprofit called No Loose Braids. And what that does is it, it focuses on cultural revitalization and preservation um, through many different avenues, uh, through land stewardship, through uh, um, making sure that we are able to access and have food sovereignty. Um, even when it comes to making these drums that I was just speaking about, we're in these we're in the forest and we're gathering particular trees. And and one of the things that is important for us, to, um, as in what we do as cultural stewards, we step into these forests and we fight, especially for our cedar swamps. You know, um, when we have DCR state regulations, they create this bureaucracy, these rules and regulations in which. Um, they say that they're conserving these swamps, and quite honestly, these swamps are dying. Uh, this past year, I scouted out six in Nipmuc territory, and only two were even um, healthy enough for us to harvest poles to be able to build our traditional homes. And if we're not able to harvest these things, and if they're still gatekeeping, that's still forced assimilation in 2023. We're speaking with Andre Strong Bear Heart Gaines Jr., who will be speaking at the Shea this Sunday, and you're a member of the Nipmuc community. Tell us um, how about how many people identify as Nipmuc today and, and where where they congregate, where they live. Yeah, our, um, our, our territory stretches from Natick. Uh, in between that place is Mugunkakwag, which they call Framingham, into Grafton, uh, which we called Hassanamisset. And then it goes down into North Connecticut and Rhode Island, which is Wabakwasset territory, and all the way up into Springfield. And, um, you know, our families out there. And quite honestly, if you uh, move to um, uh, towards the west of that, it's the Pecumtuck, Nipmuc, and Nonatuck. But, you know, after time and after, you know, these... Uh, these late wars that had happened in 1675, you know, um, a lot of these tribes have um, really either been forcefully removed or um, um, relocated, you know, um, and quite honestly, you know, there's a, there's a tribe that is waiting to even come back. Even um, they came down into Vermont State University, the Odenac, and, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to spending more time with these folks and, and creating space for them to come home into healthy places and placements, you know. That gets back into the social aspect that you were talking about earlier, just kind of like joining and and meeting and connecting, reconnecting. And the Great Falls, which have been called Turner's Falls, and for people who have not studied the history of that name and why it is extraordinarily problematic, we don't need to get into that necessarily right yes. now, but we will on this show mm. for sure. Um, what ha what historically happened at those falls, it was sort of a gathering place for di for different tribes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in, in fact, uh, it was from, you know, the Wabanaki, the Nipmuc, and... Uh, folks all the way down from Narragansett would come up and share in these ways. Like I said, as these social songs that we sing, we would have stepped into each other's communities and we would have shared, you know, different fish songs and corn songs and harvest songs. And uh, and we knew that um, that was the way that we survived here, you know, because nowadays uh, anybody can uh, pick up a watermelon in the middle of the winter, which is really awkward in the ways that we see that we needed health and the way that we ate food here. You know, food was medicine. And so... Um, it's really important when a particular harvest or a particular um, migration was about to happen with animals that we stepped into each other's communities and fished and hunted and shared in that way. That's how we stayed alive for thousands of years, you know. So No Loose Braids is one pro one extra project of yours, but can we talk about Okateyu? 
Absolutely. Another project of yours? So Okateyu Cultural Center, it's the uh, only Native American um, social center in Western Mass. Um, and quite honestly, uh, I became an artist in residence for them some time ago, and when it, I, the first. And then after that, I uh, um, played a bigger part with them and have now become a, a cultural resident cultural educator and, and basically bringing some of the youth to be able to um, learn a lot of these traditional practices, these traditional values in which uh, you know, us and our family uh, live every day. Tell me about how younger people are responding to that. Is this a first opportunity for them to learn? Is it just kids of indigenous backgrounds? I was literally going to question. Oh, no, it's uh, <laughs> definitely kids, adults. Um, there's workshops that welcome all, you know. Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, if we're, what we're doing and we don't have any youth involved in that, then it, it's meaningless for the jobs we're doing. And in fact, the work that I do, this isn't a take your kids to work day type um, job, you know, uh, this is every day there should be youth around you so that, you know, these things can continue for the next seven generations. I love it. And you were talking before about um, the history in the Great Falls and the different tribes coming together and walking into each other's communities and learning each other's songs and dances and eating each other's foods. Do you still think that in the, our contemporary society today, is that the best way for non-Native people like me to engage with Native communities and to engage with any communities other than the one that you may be the most familiar with? Oh, that's a great question, too, especially, uh, you know, a lot of times we have a lot of people who want to do things for Natives or connect with them in ways. And in, and what they do is they start creating their own um, um I don't know if I want to call it like a workshop or they want to create their own type um um, gathering, right? When actually there's a lot of ways that they can contact us. Um, there's a commissioner of Indian affairs that they can find out who we are, where we are. Rhonda um, Anderson. Rhonda Anderson. Another part of the Okateo community as well. Absolutely. Um, and so, um, there's lots of ways that, um, people can definitely contact us and figure out what we're doing and how, how to ally with that. Because a lot of times people think like, they have the savior mentality, like they need to save us in <laughs> ways and things that, I mean, think about it. We've made it through um, 400 years of colonization. We don't now need uh, folks to save us. We need people to ally with us and help us do the work that we're doing. Which ultimately is work that will benefit the next seven generations. Absolutely. No of matter, everybody. Of everybody, no matter what background you're Being from. from people brought here 400 years ago without, you know, permission. Right. <laughs> deepening the power of places happening mm-hmm. this Sunday, March 12th at 3 p.m. Exploring our cultural crossroads through story, song, and spoken word. Crossroads closing event with singer-songwriter Erica Wheeler and our guest, Andre Strongbearheart Gaines Jr. Crossroads change in rural America is on view at the Great Falls Discovery Center on Avenue A only until next Sunday. The exhibition is part of Museums on Main Street, a collaboration between the Smithsonian Institution and Mass Humanities, amongst other groups, including New England Public Media. Thank you so much for coming. This Absolutely. This was enlightening and wonderful. Absolutely. And I'll be there on Sunday afternoon yes. as well. Coming up, Kamaya Diggs performing live in studio from her album Quincy, out today, and as a preview of her sold-out show tomorrow at the Drake. You're listening to The Fabulous 413. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. Western Mass's own Kimaya Diggs has a sold-out show at the Drake and Amherst tomorrow night to celebrate her brand new album, Quincy, which is out today. Her songs mix soul, storytelling, and the singer-songwriter tradition. Quincy is a joyful expression of surviving several years 
of grief and joining us in the studio is Kimaya Diggs. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi. It's a pleasure. Of course. So the new album is out today. Quincy, uh, introduce us to who Quincy is. Quincy um, was my last dog. He was a retired racing dog who came to us 45 days off the track. Um, And we got him a few days before we tracked the first uh, songs from the album. And he died right before we finished the album. So I wanted to name it after him because both the album and his time with us kind of coincided. Mm. This album is connected with a lot of grief, not just of Quincy, but of your mom passing of cancer and a couple of other points Mm -hmm. thereof. Was this more of a processing album for you, just a way to get and deal with that grief? To some extent, it definitely was a processing album. Um, My mom was a dancer, and she always said, why do you have so many sad, slow songs at your shows? Like, I want to get up and dance. So when I got into writing these songs that were processing her illness at the time, um, I was thinking, I was very conscious of the idea, okay, I can write a sad album, but it can be danceable. It can still feel like road trip music or something you'd listen to in the summer. Um, But there was definitely a a lot of processing going on throughout the entire process. Do we think we should hear something from the album? Yeah, sure. Do you want to introduce our uh, our stunning guitar player? Yeah, I'm here with my partner, Jacob Rezaza, who co-produced the album with me. Um, hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Here, do you want, Jacob, do you, you want come sit over chair? here. Uh, come sit over here. <laughs> well, I can mic you while we're uh, doing this. Yeah. Okay. This is live radio, people. We love it. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so this song that we'll play, we can play Bloom. Um, this is one of my favorites. This one was one of my mom's favorites as well. We used to plant flower bulbs every November for her birthday. Um, and I always was like, you know, why are we planting seeds in the winter? It doesn't feel like the right time to be creating a garden. Um, Um, But it's the winter that makes the blooms um, able to come up and flower when they do. And it's almost bulb season. We're going to be seeing the crocuses soon. So I thought we'd we'd do bloom today. Tall as grass, narrow as a tree. This has always been a part of me Blue as summer sky Doesn't take a lot to get a girl like me to cry I've been under stress And I have found that folding in has been what feels the best Bound up at the root Tired of telling lies when I can't bear to tell the truth I've been waiting, waiting to bloom I've been waiting, waiting to bloom Oh, I've been Dried out as the 
dust Desiccated from the energy it takes to trust I've been waiting, waiting to bloom I've been waiting, waiting to bloom Oh, I've been waiting, waiting to rises up like water oh, that's how I know it's time to grow I've been underground you thought that you had buried me you couldn't hear me Make a sound I've been spreading roots And though I can't yet see the sun I can hear her say come I've been waiting, waiting to bloom I've been waiting, waiting to bloom Oh, I've been waiting to Maya Diggs and Jacob Rosaza playing live in the studio here in the fabulous 413. Sold out show at the Drake in Amherst tomorrow. So the good news is that your new album, Quincy, is available for purchase right now. So you can listen to Kimaya Diggs whenever you would like. Yes. Um, And you'll be able to listen to more from them because you can't go to the show if you don't already have tickets coming up in just a little bit. But is it true that this is the only hometown show you're going to do in the spring slash summer of 2023 it is it is is. i know (laughs) i'm going to be playing in greenfield in september at 10 forward which i'm excited that's a little ways away we had them on the show oh uh, yeah we talked to Ange. oh i love them right Um, i'm gonna see alex on this weekend well alex actually printed a bunch of my merch um the tote bags the t-shirts so it's been really fun to collaborate with different locals on on this launch another way to support kimaya Diggs, because you can't go to the show if you don't already have tickets but you should get the album because that's another well nope i can't say that i pretend i didn't (laughs) (laughs) kimaya we were talking about grief and wrestling with grief Mm -hmm. and and the passing of your dog quincy Mm -hmm. uh and the passing of your mom you wrote a song that uh, benefited the Cancer Connection in Northampton, which is an organization that I've been involved with for well over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Talk about why you did that and what the Cancer Connection uh, meant to your mom throughout that part of her life. Yeah, during my mom's illness, which was which lasted for 12 years, she was very private about her health. Um, and that's the way that she wanted it, but it also meant that she couldn't get a lot of peer support 
um, while she was going through her treatments. And for years, I was encouraging her to sign up for Cancer Connection to just be able to have some support. Um, and towards the end of her life, she ended up joining um, a support group that I think was helpful to her, but also not a lot of people are aware of the fact that Cancer Connection also offers support services for the family members of someone who is experiencing cancer diagnosis and treatment. Um, and so Cancer Connection was really helpful to our family overall. And I just think that what they do is so wonderful. And when I had the opportunity to record a song that could benefit any nonprofit, it was a no-brainer to go for them. And Cancer Connection is based in Northampton. If you're not familiar with them, they offer all these services for free because of generous support of people like Kimaya doing things like this and, and supporting the work that they do. And it really does strengthen the idea that it treats a person with cancer as a whole human being and reminds them of their humanity and remembers the fact that it's really hard to care for somebody with cancer as a family member. So it's it's really amazing organization. We're going to skip back to your album for a bit. Sure. Yeah. sure. And just let's talk about the difference between and sound and uh, like tone between this album, Quincy, and your previous album, Breastfed. Like, are there shifts that you noticed in your own work happening to you? Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, when I recorded Breastfed, my first album, I was dealing with a vocal injury and I had some corrective surgery and a lot of speech therapy, like 150 sessions of speech therapy um, to regain my voice. So it was very, very, very exciting to jump into the recording process for Quincy and just be able to do literally whatever I wanted with my voice. I'm really proud of the vocals on the album um, and the songs are definitely centered really around just exploring and enjoying my voice. Um, I also think that I was able to come into my own a little bit more as a producer. The first album, Jacob and I also co-produced, and this time we also brought in my brother-in-law, Jacob's brother, Caleb Rosaza, to also help produce some of these songs. Um, And I just felt like I was going into it with a stronger vision, a lot more know-how as far as, you know, how making an album works from start to finish. And it was a very empowering experience. And yeah, I'm just super excited with how it's turned out. Yay! Well, coming up more with Western Mass's own Kimaya Diggs, who has a sold-out show at the Drake in Amherst tomorrow night to celebrate the brand new album Quincy, which is out today. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. We're joined live in studio by Western Mass's own Kimaya Diggs, who has a sold-out show at the Drake and Amherst. Congratulations tomorrow night to celebrate her brand new album Quincy out today. Seems like we should maybe hear another song from that album. Sure, let's do it. This one is called um, If You Love Me. Love me, love me 
I should set myself in motion I know better than to try Put on my shea butter lotion Settle down to cry It's really hard to sit in the studio and not harmonize in the way that I do when I drive. <laughs> I would have welcomed you. it. Yeah, no, there's, no one needs that. <laughs> we know you're a good singer, Khalid. Yeah. That's true. It it's not true. A I decided to harmonize that it could become a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't even have a vocal injury to blame it on. Um, you, but you were talking about that vocal injury and you studied opera. Is that and you sang a cappella. Acapellas like represent. Uh, yes, cool. college acapella forever. Nice. So, <laughs> is that related? Is that what caused the vocal injury? Is that was it? Was it the uh, the study of opera? Or it wasn't. I mean, that didn't help. Um, I had the injury for about six years, and I wasn't really aware of it for a little while. It got worse and worse. Definitely studying opera. Um, I tired out my voice quite a bit, but it also gave me a lot of really strong technique. So when I was going through speech therapy after the sur- before and after the surgery, I, I had a lot of language and a lot of strength around my vocal apparatus so that I was able to recover fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, towards the end, right before I had my surgery, I could speak for like 20 minutes a day, absolute maximum. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm sure there are people that listen to this show that wish that was true about me too. <laughs> You've done a couple of series on black music history, mm-hmm. which I appreciate as someone who also appreciates black music history. What was important about that to bring to wider audience? Are, and are you going to continue doing that? Did you say wider or whiter? Why? <laughs> and, and does it really matter? 
Same diff. Monty. (laughs) Well, so I'm kind of on pause with those series for now just because I'm taking a little break from the teaching world. But I did feel really compelled to make these series on black music history because there are the greats that we know about, right? Nina Simone, Prince, Stevie Wonders of the world. Um, But there are also people who were lesser known largely because they weren't as palatable to a white audience. Somebody um, like Billy Paul, um, who was exploring black masculinity and interrogating what it means to be a black man in America in a way that was a little bit too radical at the time and people weren't really ready to receive or people like No Name who are going outside of music to literature. Yeah, I just (laughs) admire everything that she's doing and how she really is sticks to her convictions and what she believes in. Um, So I did these black music history series to show that these people's these lesser known artists influence does have an impact today, but we're not saying their names. We're not acknowledging their existence. And I wanted to bring them to a wider audience. Where can people find those if they uh, have not heard them? Um, they're on YouTube. If you go to couchmusic.live, I think you can find them there too. There's a four part series that I did mm, maybe last year, I think. No, two years ago, four part series that I did. Um, and each one there, it goes from protest music through the, 60s into a little bit of Afrofuturism. So we're speaking with Kimaya Diggs, whose new album is out today. Quincy, she has a sold out show at the Drake in Amherst tomorrow night to celebrate. Um, You're not doing any other shows until September in our area. is it you'll be playing elsewhere in the country? I will. Yeah, I'm. I have a slew of shows between now and September. Um, I'm doing an album release party in Cambridge at oh, Club Passim nice. in April, April twelfth. So if you're willing to make the drive and you couldn't get tickets for the show <laughs> at the Drake, come to Cambridge in April. And are you still a speech writer? I am. That's my day job. I think that's amazing. I didn't know that there were people locally who could have a job. I have to live in Washington, D.C. Yeah, well, the company I work for is based in D.C., and I I work remotely, and I love working remotely. Are you allowed allowed to talk about who you have written speeches for? I'm not allowed to say who I've written speeches for, but I will say I, I write mostly for tech companies. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm not doing like the fun political speeches. Some of the people I work I work with are doing that, but but not me. Is there a speech that you think we have all probably heard that you know you wrote? Yes, definitely. And you're not allowed to tell us. I what can't it is. tell you. Dang it! <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait till the show's over to ask to see if we can find out then. <laughs> so we should talk about your your growing collection of Jakes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We had two Jakes, and we weren't sure exactly which one no, was going to show Jakes. up. There's three oh, Jakes. three Jakes. Three Jakes. Three Jakes. <laughs> and more every day, it seems. Um, yeah, I've got Jacob Rezaza, my partner who plays bass in my band and, and co-produced. And he's here. And he's here. Um, Jake Manzi, who I've been singing with for a long time, will be in the show on Saturday. Um, he has his own music, and he's an incredible musician, and just singing with him is one of my favorite things to do. Um, and Jake Edwards will be on drums. And if there are any Jakes out there listening and you want to join the band, <laughs> like, please reach out. <laughs> I love it. Kimaya uh, Diggs and the Jakes more. is yeah. kind of a cool band name. I know. I, I, I believe I've pitched that to you at least <laughs> once. So the first time I played Green River Fest, I, like, joked on stage because the only person in the band besides Jakes was uh, Caleb. And I said, if anyone out there can play guitar and his name Jake I will fire Caleb <laughs> and most people laughed and this one woman right in the front said oh that's not nice and then turned around and like walked away <laughs> and I was like oh 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Saturday morning, we're like not all awake yet. Like it's okay. <laughs> Many of the Jakes mentioned have to do with Lux Deluxe, who's kind of the uh, another great local band that plays incredible shows and are, are essentially the backing band for this album, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I recorded a lot of it at their studio. Um, and I just I really credit them. First of all, they're my favorite band. I felt that way before I was married to one of them. Let the record. <laughs> now you're legally bound to have them. <laughs> yes, now I'm band. legally bound to have them as my favorite band. So um, much so that you made them your band. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I really do credit them for teaching me so much of what I know about production. And I also just appreciate that, you know, being in the Valley, being a musician of color, being a, a woman musician, there is not a lot of welcoming energy typically coming from these spaces of cis white men and their studios. And oh, I just sorry about that. <laughs> Girl, preach. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like really appreciated these guys have taken the time to mentor me, taken the time to like share their resources with me and really helped make the album what it is now. I think it's exciting too that uh, Matali Banda is part of the show yes. tomorrow. For those who aren't familiar with Matali Banda, can you tell us a little bit about him in the minute we have left? Oh my goodness. He is absolutely incredible. If you haven't heard of him, please look up his music. He has the most stunning voice. I know. He is such an incredible sax player. He's going to be guesting on one of the songs in our set. Ooh, and we nice. practiced it the other day. And then the solo section ended. And I was like, what? What 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 happens now? And everyone was like, Oh, you you sing now. And I was like, No, Matali, play saxophone more. <laughs> so he's amazing. Also, like if you're in the crowd watching Matali Banda, his family comes to a lot of those shows and they are the most excited people in the crowd. It is wonderful to watch. Oh, their I can't wait. I can't wait. He's another local hero as well. Kimaya Diggs sold out show at the Drake in Amherst tomorrow. Thank you to Jacob Rosaza, who's here as well and be part of that show. We're excited to see you, and we hope you come back um, in September when you're going to come, on ten, uh, come to 10 Forward. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. The new album, Quincy, is out today. Monday, in the fabulous 413, Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll on the Healy Driscoll administration announcement of the new position, Director of Rural Affairs, and what that will mean for Western Mass. Monday is also the third anniversary of the last normal day. We'll talk with UMass virologist Dr. Mandy Muller about where we stand with COVID three years on. And we'll talk with Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid about... Daylight savings time on the moon. Thanks to our director, Tony Dunn, who just gets to be himself today. Yeah, and move some chairs around for us and helping us make this craziness happen live, (laughs) like building a plane in the air, as well as Betsy Cordes, our engineer who makes it all happen as well. Our technical team is Kara Foster, Bart Rankin, and Punk Rock Dubé. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Susan Werner, The Medicine Singers, and Kimaya Diggs and Jacob Rosasa. I'm Kalise Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. See you Monday on The Fabulous 413.